Hey there, listeners. If you're hearing this, then you're about to embark on a journey into paralyzing terror and laughter, too. We at the AOE want to thank you for your love and support and let you know how to get in contact with us. We are on Facebook. Just search The Age of Enfrightenment. On Twitter, at AOE underscore podcast. You can find us on our website, aoepod.com. And best of all, look up The Age of Enfrightenment on iTunes and subscribe. We will be in your feed every two weeks with all things eerie, esoteric, and extraordinary. Enjoy the show. Frightening podcast. I am co-host Theo, and I'm here with my two special boys. My, my my special co-host Dave. Hello, hi. And my very special co-host Nick. I'm special too. You're you both special. You're yeah, right. Beautiful special boys. Oh. And I love you very much. I I really gotta say my self-esteem would be so low I would probably just take my own life if it weren't for this podcast. I'm glad so. I make you feel special. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Just trying to, trying oh. to be nice, trying to be family friendly. Yeah, we're off to a great start when it comes to that. <laughs> Make you feel special in your underpants. No, nothing explicitly <laughs> awful has been said, and yet this is already an R I'm already r- oh, yeah. rubbing my stomach and <laughs> looking at Ed Deadeye. Deeply inappropriate. Very right. Well, so we've established how special we are. Thank You're, you, Theo, for that. Hey, that was you got wonderful. That, uh, we have sort of a loose topic or slash no topic today it's one of our three-parters Woo! we know how much uh the our adoring fans love those we each get to say our piece about something that matters to us while the other two kind of zone out for 20 minutes <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's that's what happens we call it the fuck it series <laughs> <laughs> so for this one there's a somewhat of a theme that sort of kind of popped up on its own in the fact that we're each going to be talking about some kind of character whether it's a very real person in the here and now, or a person of myth, and I think we've we've kind of hit a nice way to do that with our H.P. Lovecraft series, our two-parter, where we kind of t- dove into his life. We're going to do sort of little brief uh, coffee table Reader's Digest versions about different people that we just find fascinating and, and at least somewhat related to the topics that we talk about on this show. So we're each going to take a piece, and Theo's going to go first, and I'm pretty psyched about this one. Yeah, so this is I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this um, story, this new story that I've been following for a while now. Um, I live in Maryland, and this is a big deal down there. Um, everybody had been talking about this, but I don't think it got a lot of national coverage. Um, but um, you know, like I said, in Maryland, it, this is nuts. Um, so it's the story about a man named Daniel Beckwith. So he's 27 years old. And the just to give you the just to sum up what happened, he had been paying a man, a guy named Askiakafra, to dig a series of <laughs> Escobar fart horn. <laughs> we were trying to give Ed a mnemonic device to remember that complicated name, and we landed on Escobar fart horn. <laughs> it made everything so much worse. <laughs> I wrote it down. I wrote the name down. I wrote the real name. I didn't write down Escobar right. Fart Horn. <laughs> as far as everyone who's at home takes away for this, mm. Google Escobar Fart Horn. <laughs> well, uh, he's dead. <laughs> and he died because he was working for Daniel Beckwith. 
um, digging a series of tunnels under his house. Hmm. So this is... So Daniel Beckwith is a 27-year-old guy. 27-year-old. And he hired this other guy. Yeah, as a gay Capra, 21 years old. Okay. Um, so a bit younger. Um, so yeah, it's he hired him to dig a series of tunnels under his house and a fire broke out and Askia died from smoke inhalation and was Ooh. like really severely burned. So a fire in the tunnel or in the house and then it kind of trapped him? In the tunnel. Okay. Um, so he's, he lived in Bethesda, Maryland, Daniel. Um, so this is a story that has a lot of levels and a lot of things that would be kind of interesting on their own, but once they kind of all come together, it makes this really, really bizarre story. So Daniel came from money. He was very wealthy, and he actually made a lot of money on his own as a um, stock trader. So he's a millionaire. Okay. And he's also a, like, conspiracy buff. And, oh, hence the tunnels. Right. Hence the... <laughs> That'll lead into the the need for the tunnels. Um, and it's kind of a bummer because t- 10 years ago, maybe not even 10, five years ago, uh, you think of a conspiracy theorist. And for me, I would think Fox Mulder. Okay. Um, yeah. Flash forward to now, you think <laughs> of conspiracy theorist. You think of Alex Jones. Alex it's Jones. People spirit. typing in all caps on YouTube comment sections about how Jews are running the world. and Conspiracy theory has kind of become... It's weird. It's become mainstream in a lot of ways mm-hmm. in the sense that actual big-time nationally known politicians are giving credence to some of the most bizarre conspiracy Our theories we have. president is. Too. And it's actually become a divisive issue as opposed to sort of a neat hobby, which, like you said, it, when you think about Mulder and you think about that sort of fictional version of it, that's, like, out the window. Now you say right. conspiracy theorists and you immediately picture, like, an MRI, like a men's rights mm-hmm. douchebag and just... It's like this whole picture that did not exist. Yeah. Like it's the guy who buttonholed me outside of my apartment and told me that Bill Clinton raped Colin Powell while he was in office. Well, I mean, that's a true story. Like, like, <laughs> like figuratively? Or... No, no. And this guy immediately followed up with telling me that Hen- Hillary Clinton was evil. And you can tell because when, <laughs> when you cut an apple in half, it looks like a, quote, pussy. I I didn't want to ask. I <clears throat> I just went inside, and later all the dads in the apartment complex got together and called the cops. Oh my so that guy's God. gone now. But that that that's what I think of now when I think of conspiracy right. theorists. There's there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, and <laughs> we're gonna so we're gonna, we're gonna put a pin in that because I'd like to discuss right. that more. And in, the mean, in the meantime, can somebody call Colin Powell? Make sure he's okay. Make sure he's okay. <laughs> Might need to talk to somebody. Jesus. <laughs> Fucking Bill. So anyway, um, Daniel Beckwith was that kind of conspiracy theorist. The bad kind. Um, he actually would give speeches at, like, hacker conventions. Um, there's something called ShmooCon. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's like this group of hackers. <laughs> Fun um, to say, probably stupid. <laughs> <laughs> And he gave a um, like uh, a um, symposium there 
huh. and he talked about ways of like hiding your online presence, uh, stuff like that. How to like very quickly like delete your hard drive, like in a way that you couldn't get caught for things like so that. So ShmooCon is a hacker convention, right? Through and through. And then Daniel would give these speeches, dressed in a like reflective silver hazmat suit. <laughs> So everybody else is sort of just in plain clothes. Right. And he stomps out looking like he's cleaning up. Looking like one of, fucking, materials. one of the fucking government guys from E.T. <laughs> I love this guy. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to hate him mm-hmm. <laughs> wherever this is going. Um, in 2013, he actually got in trouble because he had, um, he had become a student at, uh, what was it, University of Illinois. And like hacked all of their um computer systems mm. was stealing people's uh information shit like that he had um something called a keylogger system which i had to look up i don't know what that was it's a way of um tracking what keys people use on a keyboard so like for specific instances so you can oh, okay. like figure out people's passwords and stuff yeah. um so he didn't get jail time but was like very seriously fined for it yeah and it sounds like he'd be a person of interest on a lot of government groups mm-hmm. just for based on the thing because he's clearly like an intelligent guy they're asking him to speak so yeah he had some notoriety before this whole fire thing broke out right people knew about this guy exactly um so like i said that was 2013 so we flash forward four years later to 2017 last year he meets a skiakafra online um social media um didn't specifically say like what website but they're probably facebook or twitter and uh they end up becoming like kind of buddies and askia had this idea for a startup this um uh, equity tracking thing and they worked out a deal he was going to do some work for daniel some physical labor and daniel was going to fund him and his startup and i mean again daniel was fucking loaded Right. And it's so strange because, like, he came for money, but being the being a day trader, he was good at his job. Yeah. Which makes all this seem so odd. You know, you think of the, the hacker and, you know, conspiracy nut. You don't think of successful people. Yeah, or you at least don't picture that day trader, that sort of Wolf of Wall Street stereotype we have in our head. Like, big swinging dick guy in a suit mm-hmm. who isn't, like, squirreled away in his basement dealing with his crazy conspiracies. I mean, in a way, it, it kind of makes sense to me because with cryptocurrency and, and the way that a lot of technology is heading, I feel like there's a convergence of people who can make a lot of money mm-hmm. and who are deeply disturbed and isolated from society. I don't know. I think you just get rich enough and you can just believe anything. I will not go into any specifics, but I worked for somebody that was worth over $500 million dollars who was a very, very devout to the whole uh, semi healing thing. Like, okay. they thought they could faith heal. Was it Jay-Z? Did you work for Jay-Z? I, Did you work for Hova? Tell I, us everything. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to comment on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, it's weird hearing things like that come out of a very, very affluent person's mouth because right. you associate it with dumb people right. uh, how did you do this how uh, did you get where you are but it was I, I was just like well i guess anyone with any amount of money can believe anything so let me ask yeah, you this. look at kanye west 
Is Jay-Z nice in person, though? <laughs> He's I. <laughs> so... My client is not Jay-Z. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the system that they had worked out was Daniel would go pick up Nasquia. Nasquia lived in Silver Springs, Virginia. Mm. Um, and he would take him, he would drive him to, back to Bethesda, where his house was. Daniel's house. Uh, so he would, first, he would rent a car, would use his own car, he would rent a car, and when he got a skia, he would make him wear, um, blockers. Mm. Like, blackout shades so he right, wouldn't right. see anything. So, the skia had no idea where he was going. And then he would bring a skia into the house and wouldn't take off, like, the blockers until they were in the basement. Okay. And they literally just dug a fucking hole in the basement. So and Daniel helped him dig the hole? It wasn't just, like, a ski... Was it just a skia working, or did the two of them work together on Um, they worked together, but from what I gathered, it looks like a skia did the bulk of it. Sure. Um... I mean, if you're going to go through the trouble of hiring somebody... <laughs> yeah. and... I mean, Daniel's a rich guy. He's exactly. got all kinds of weird... So, the know. house, um, was known in the neighborhood because it was just a fucking... The yard was a jungle. Really? And it was a nice house. And Bethesda is a very nice area of Maryland. Uh, it's close to D.C., um, you know, affluent town. Yeah, that town made Skyrim. Yes. That town made Skyrim. And Fallout. Yeah. Anyway... Uh, but, <laughs> I'm gonna edit that joke. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't. It was a single house, not gigantic, but nice. And the yard was just completely overgrown. A lot of trash, things like that. People were complaining about rats mm. and um, just other vermin around the house. So the the people in the neighborhood had always had problems with it. And the house itself was just filled with junk. So he was a hoarder, and that's mm. eventually going to come into play because. It was really hard for emergency services to get into the house. So he was digging the tunnel. He was digging the tunnel for Daniel because Daniel had been become increasingly more concerned about nuclear war with North Korea. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Not the craziest thought we, yeah. we've been presented with right. so far. So he dug, they dug a hole just 20 feet down. And the system of tunnels ran for about 200 feet. Holy shit. Yeah. And, and they're digging from within the house. So, I mean, for context, so Theo and I both worked at a cemetery where we had to dig at the deepest 10 to 12 foot holes. Mm-hmm. At, at the very deepest. And we used a backhoe for that. So two guys inside of a house using shovels and like... Shovels and power tools. Pretty and normal and equipment. Tools. That's pretty impressive. I mean, that shows a lot of drive to go to 20 feet down and then out yeah that's is, insane is it kind of fucked up that i want to do this like not not <laughs> not to like hide from nuclear war but i just think it would be cool to have tunnels under the house and plus <laughs> i think i would enjoy digging them as a project right yeah and certainly take up a lot of time we can we can, we can do it together it'll bring us closer as friends <laughs> yeah. team building exercise but uh the um Askia would, he would stay there, and because he lived far away and getting there was a whole fucking, fucking mystery tour, uh, he would stay there for, like, a couple of days on end. And he would sleep in the tunnels, he would, you know, go to the bathroom in the tunnels, eat in the tunnels, he would stay there as he was doing it. And all in all, it seems like he wasn't too freaked out about it. Or if he was, he was still willing to do it, because at the end of this, he was going to get money to start a company. 
Sure. And 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 maybe too, and I don't know what their relationship was like, but it's possible that Daniel, an older guy, so he's got some some wisdom to him as far as, as the younger guy is concerned. But also he's young enough to still be like kinda cool and they can talk about normal everyday things. So I could see a twenty seven year old guy presenting to a twenty one year old like, Oh, it's not that weird, like I'm a wealthy guy, this is something we do. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of spinning it so that you're like, oh, I get it. Like, I'll make my money. And then who knows? Maybe someday I'll learn why this is so important. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, I, I, it doesn't seem that irrational that he would just kind of go with the flow at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. it's weird to me. But... And, I mean, Daniel was, um, he was a talented, he, he is a talented guy. Uh, he, like I said, he gave speeches. He was a public speaker, he was, yeah. He was dressed like a spaceman, but. But he's probably yeah, charismatic. He still, and he still gave the speeches. Yeah. Uh, some of his stuff is on YouTube. Mm. Um, with him doing the whole outfit and you know talking about computers and shit, it's it's weird. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's him. Askia digging the tunnels was obviously crazy, but he didn't seem too put out by it. Um, what eventually happened was, even though they were doing the work, they weren't being really safe about it. So the tunnels were just filled with like um, electrical lines and. So it was like, you know, obviously you dig that far down, you're going to hit water, things become unsafe. So eventually a fire broke out. Um, Askia had texted Daniel saying that he smelled smoke, and Daniel didn't tell him to stop. He was out somewhere, he came back. Um, the tunnels, like, the fire got out of control. Um, Daniel called emergency services, but because his house was... Um, so like filled with crap, filled with crap. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, they they had trouble like getting through. Wow, you know they had to climb over just junk, right? In in full fire fighting gear, and then go into the basement and then go down into the tunnels. Right. So Askia dies. Jesus. Um, And and it's twenty feet down. Did they they, were they getting up and down by rope or did they build a? Did they have a metal ladder? Because that's the other thing too. Is I would imagine it'd be difficult to get firemen down into the, a twenty foot hole. Yeah, um, that I'm not sure about. That didn't come up in the research. Either way, it's that, got, that it's got, is, it can't be a good setup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think from what I understand, they had ladders. Right. Um, so because of the text message, and Daniel not responding appropriately, and the safety quality in the tunnel, and the house just being a fucking nightmare. Uh, he is being charged with what is called depraved heart murder. Um, what? I have never heard awesome. of that. Yeah. Holy shit. That so is so metal. It's very similar to manslaughter. Sure. It's, uh, so this is what it says. This is like the definition. Depraved heart murder, also known as depraved indifference murder, is a type of murder where an individual acts with a depraved indifference to human life where such an act results in a death despite that individual individual not explicitly intending to kill. Huh. So it's negligence. Oh, it's yes. negligence. So many times I could have been charged with this. <laughs> <laughs> I could save your life, but I won't. <laughs> so Daniel did, in his defense, Daniel did try to save his kid. Well, he called the... He eventually called the authorities. He called the authorities, and he went in... He ended up in the hospital because right. he got hurt too because he went into the tunnel trying to get him out. Um, so he made bail because he's rich and he's got a decent lawyer. The lawyer is trying to argue that he's a weird guy, but didn't 
intentionally murder somebody. Right. And the point that the court's trying to make was that his negligence is what murdered somebody. Yeah. This is going to be, well, like you said, so this is a year ago, Mm -hmm. and now the trial, I assume, is going on now. Yeah. It sounds like a real, at least locally, court of public opinion kind of case, because what I would imagine the prosecution would want to do is really paint the picture of this megalomaniac, rich guy, who doesn't give a damn about the man who's working for him. Like, Mm -hmm. I could see that painting that picture, but... We also don't know that for a fact. I mean, they might have been buds. Like you said, he at least hurt. He at least tried to help enough that he got hurt. Right. So it is one of those cases where it's like, I wonder if if it is kind of like, no, Daniel did do everything he could. Granted, it's I'm sure they broke a bunch of like Lost. legal codes uh, just, right. just digging down into the ground. But it does beg the question of, is this guy going to get crucified because he looks like an eccentric uh, megalomaniac? Or is he actually not as... Yeah. Bad as it sounds. I'll tell you what, uh, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. Ed, what, what what do you think he should be charged with, if anything at all? <laughs> I think he should get the depraved heart murder. Really? Yeah. I, yeah. Um, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out, because he is wealthy, he has the money for decent lawyers and decent defense team, but he's had trouble with the law in the past. Uh, he's not well-liked by the people in the neighborhood. And Askia was, you know, a young kid. He had aspirations. He was doing this to start a business. Right. Um, he had a family. So, you know, he killed somebody who was actually well-liked. And yeah. it seems like they had a future. And I think huh. eventually that's what's going to be his undoing. So, it's... I think I agree with you. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's oh, somebody, somebody, somebody has to pay for this. Yeah, yeah, I mean, my my gut reaction is the same thing, but I'm trying to picture this playing out. Like, 20 years from now, right. somebody does an expose and they do all Because, you know, every now and then people look into it and they find the facts. And then it just seems like a very interesting case because it does seem so obvious. Oh, this guy's a selfish mm-hmm. lunatic. But how crazy would it be if there's just pieces to their relationship that maybe we don't... Because yeah. as much as you say, okay, Ski is doing this for money, it also just seems... Like a very bizarre relationship yeah. that I'd love to know more about. Because he would he would post stuff like on Facebook right. of him in like in the tunnels digging in his um like he was wearing like a hazmat suit and he had like the gas mask and he would just post stuff about Facebook about like being at work. Huh. Yeah. So But I mean if one of my employees died because oh, of yeah. negligence on my Oh part, absolutely. Yeah. I, like I would get well, charged and, yeah. for And it makes well, so much it's so much worse that it wasn't an actual work site. This is like a gentleman's agreement. Fallout shelters make sense, and it's not inconceivable that you would want to have one. So you're saying everyone should have a bomb shelter. Yes. (laughs) But you can can pay a construction company to dig, but you got to go through the city, and you got to go... There's a lot of legal things that are not on Daniel's side. Yeah, digging a hole... It looks very bad for him regardless. Digging a hole straight down in the basement... Right. Is not something that a mentally healthy person does. No. Or thinks to do. And, I mean, shit, this maybe... I still do it. I still fucking do it. Well, yeah. You guys want to do it, I'll do it. Safely. He wasn't doing it safely. That's that's what it comes down to, is that because he wasn't doing it safely, he's to blame for Askia's death. Well, and I think that's why the definitely manslaughter and the negligence, I think what makes this case so interesting is that charge that i've literally never heard of depraved heart yeah because it to me depraved heart does imply malice it's almost like the court is saying 
you are malicious in your indifference as opposed to your work conditions weren't up to par. Like, it's a very different thing. You know, a guy, a roofer falls off a roof and you find out he didn't have the right harnesses and stuff because somebody's cutting costs. That's one kind of negligence. Right. This whole depraved heart thing sounds like, no, at your core, you're not a good person. And that's why we're charging you because you didn't care. You genuinely didn't care if this person yeah. lived or died. It, this is, this is going to be something really interesting to look back on a couple of years from now, like you said. Because they had this agreement that he, he would fund a Skia's startup mm. company, but you know who knows if they had any kind of legal documentation. If he ever would have yeah. Yeah. held his end of the bargain right. up. And... So wow. the Daniel's character, and just from the research I've done on him, I think he sucks. Just yeah. like in general. Um, you know, I, I think he's the kind of guy who posts on the Donald uh, subreddit. <laughs> so maybe he was lying, maybe he was full of shit. He's definitely crazy, though. Yeah, that is nuts. And I love that it's happening right now. I can't wait till we find out more about yeah. this. Yeah. That's really cool. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, like I said, it was a big deal in Maryland. But... Yeah, like you said, definitely not national news, but it seems... Well, we live in a time where national news happens every five minutes. Yeah. So it is... This seems like something that we would have known about if it happened in, like, 1994. Mm-hmm. It would be this big case that they're making made-for-TV movies about right yeah. now. It would be, like, the O.J. Case. Letterman would be making jokes about right. it. Right. But because of, because of our exposure to so much other stuff, it's yeah, like... you go to see the movie, and they'd be like, this week in the news, and it would be this story back in 1994. <laughs> Just be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> wow. Oh, Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. So I think we can shift gears a little bit. Uh, still talking about a peculiar person, but I think from a, a is, different perspective on... This is not a person. You reality. keep saying it's a person. Well, it's not a person. Sorry. All right. So, as you may remember from from the past times so that we've done these three-parters, I, I, I really love mysteries that aren't quite solved. And... Um, what I'm going to talk about is is definitely one of those because it's yeah I'm not going to lie it's like a paranormal thing but it is from 1817 and it is so well documented and involves a future president that it's just it's one of like my favorite future president as in they became a president or they're not president yet they be, they they be, Obama <laughs> they become a president Jaden Smith had a personal interest in this. Uh, okay, so I'm talking about the Bell Witch. So this, all of this happened between 1817 and 1822. 1822, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Yep, that's, he showed up and this happened. <laughs> that is so beyond timeline. <laughs> no, 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 Ed got it. Ed got it right. You're I'm in the wrong on this one, Nick. Ben Hansel. So the, <laughs> This took place in Robertson County, Tennessee. So it's the South in 1817, which is already terrifying. Um, right. Bastion of progress in yeah. the United States. So John Bell Sr. moved to the area with his wife and several children. Uh, because, as you know, you have a lot of kids back then. And after he moved into Robertson County, he had three more kids, one of which was Betsy Bell. So one day in 1817, he's in the field, and he sees something kind of weird. It is a dog with the head of a rabbit. It's, it's 
a full size dog, but it has the head of a rabbit. Like a like a was it to scale? Or was it like a tiny bunny head or was it a big bunny head? I, I have to imagine it was a big bunny head. Okay. Um, was this just like a Rottweiler sized body? His iPhone was dead, so he well, didn't take a photo. <laughs> um, yeah, do we have any selfies of this? But what he did do is shoot at it. Uh, he shot at it four times. Oh, you got it. What's well, good, Ian? Yeah, that's a big ass fucking rabbit. Which I just like, I love the idea of like, whoa, I've never seen that before. A new species. <laughs> Let's kill it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so he didn't hit it, uh, and what's, what's supposed to be weirder is the animal didn't run at all. It just stood there while he shot four times, and it was, again, 1817, so four shots probably took four days. Right. Um, and then it just ran off into the woods. He went back to the house and didn't really think much more of it, because this, this was more or less... Not the frontier, but they were out in the wild a little bit. And, like, you sometimes see animals that you don't understand. Very shortly after that, banging started happening on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> banging. <laughs> I, I, yeah. yeah. Even, even in 1822, people were just banging away. But they would be trying to sleep, and it would sound like somebody was banging on the outside of their house. Mm. Um, and that that started almost right away followed very closely by they would try to go to sleep and sheets would get pulled off of them in the middle of the night, which is... Which is, like... Objectively <laughs> terrifying. Yeah. Um, it's, it's... I wonder if that's the first instance of that trope that we've seen in different I, horror movies. I feel like it is. Yeah. Like, because I really think a lot of the Bell Witch uh, informed a lot of the modern horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um... But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, the, the kids would claim that they were hearing scratching at, the, at all the legs of their bed. They would say that it sounded like there was rats chewing on the posts of their bed. Um, but when they would get up, there would be nothing there. So, you know, this sounds like a pretty run-of-the-mill haunting. And, you know, very much like, oh, they're making it up. However, what was interesting about this is John Bell Sr. was very much like, you all ignore it. All of you. And the reason for this was, you know, this was almost 100 years after the witch trials at Salem. But, I mean, people were still occasionally being killed uh, when accused of being a witch. And this is 1800s? This is 1817. 1817, okay. Yeah, yeah so not outside the realm of possibility. Yeah, so he right. was very much like, you guys have to keep this quiet. Right, because uh, if our neighbors hear about it, it's gonna... It could be bad. It, it could cost like, us our lives. Yeah, it was yeah. self-preservation. Yeah. Even um, if not your lives, then like, you'd be ostracized in the community. Yeah, yeah they'd give you a bunch like best, of ostriches. Yeah, best case scenario, they turn into ostriches. <laughs> <laughs> um... You know, that that struck me as, as interesting that the father was very much like, no, we're not telling anybody. This goes on for a year. And what's amazing in this is the entity that is plaguing them becomes violent. And not violent like, you know, like, oh, like it, it killed one of them. It would slap. Ghost was a slapper. <laughs> So it just sounds like a dick. Oh, it's a super dick. It's just a really, really bitchy guy. It's, it's just like, how dare you? This it started happening a lot 
that the family was getting attacked by way of slapping. Like, people would suddenly slap them in the face. Now, is this, they, they'd wake up in the middle of the night feeling as if they were slapped? No. Or, or middle of the day, they, this just, would happen they just get slapped? in the middle of the day. <laughs> Alright? And, like, it's, it's gonna get weirder. It's gonna get way, way weirder. So, after a while, uh, John Bell Sr. contacts James Johnston... Who, uh, you know, I didn't mention John Bell Sr. was a devout Baptist, I believe, and this was the minister. Well, I mean, it's in the South, so you just kind of assume. Yeah. And, you know, I'm also brushing over the fact that, like, during this time, one of his slaves, because they had slaves, um, was said he was being followed continuously by a black dog mm-hmm. uh, that wasn't there. One of their daughters saw a woman hanging from a tree. Their son saw a bird that was described as far, far bigger than any bird could actually be. Which, again, he shot at it because that's what you do. Right. Because uh, there's no teeth. He was yet. three years old and he took a shot. Yeah. <laughs> All whiskey hardened. Definitely a theme of weird animals. And yeah. the, the black dog thing goes way back. Oh, in, yeah. In, in, the the history, yeah. Yeah, in the history of witchcraft. So that's concerning. So all of this is happening and... John Bell turns to his buddy, uh, who, who is a minister, James Johnston, who comes and stays with him with his wife. And this is one of those things where it's like, I very much sense that they were like, we're going to come stay with you and check it out. They were plagued all night by this, uh, whatever this entity was. It was thudding their room. It, it, they... They said it sounded like there were things under their bed. They were getting slapped, which is still just so fucking awesome to me. Because <laughs> if I was a ghost, I would slap the shit yeah, out of people all the time. Just to, just the pump of Yeah, things. just full out. Like, just real, sheer disrespect. Full shoulder just you slapping. You really get a sense that whatever this thing is, it can't do a lot, but it's still doing everything It's it making can. the most of yeah. what it can do. Yeah. And I'm going to say, if I lived with somebody who constantly was just running up and slapping me and, like, banging on the side of the house and ripping sheets off me when I'm sleeping, I'd be annoyed. I'd be a little cross. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah, kind of, I would cheese my crackers a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so this goes on for a while. Like, a couple of years, this family is just living in torment. There are several cases where various people come to, quote, see it. And it happens to them just like it happened to this minister. Then, at a certain point, a newspaper uh, runs whoa, runs a story on it, uh, which John Bell is not super happy about. But at this point, he's even he is like, okay, we have to do something about this. Like this, we can't live like this, because at this point, the entity is actually talking to them. It's mm-hmm. named Kate. 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 It's taking, it's taken a liking to their uh, youngest daughter, Betsy, has become like friends with her. Well, what was Betsy wearing? <laughs> was she hot? <laughs> oh, God. <I> boobs. <laughs> there, there wasn't anything in the writings about, about her boobs. <laughs> No, that's, that's gay. <laughs> Only because the word boobs was not invented until several years later. <laughs> boobs weren't invented until the 70s. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it had begun talking to them uh, to the point where 
two preachers gave sermons uh, 13 miles apart, and Kate was apparently relaying the sermons to members in the household uh, along with other witnesses of both sermons happening word for word. Wow. So either this is in a lat, like, actually, we're going to get to, like, pulling this yeah. apart later. Yeah. Um, so, the Major General took an interest in this because it turns out that, uh, that John Bell Sr. actually served this guy. This guy was future President Andrew Jackson. Oh! Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> Andrew, friend of many, except for the Native Americans. Yeah, friend to almost no one. He <laughs> murdered everybody. Yeah. Uh, so Andrew Jackson hears about this and contacts Bell. And, you know, Jackson decides to come and check out the, the Bell farm for himself. So he's not president at this point, though. He's not president, he's... but he's... Major General, which okay. is very, Still very high-ranking. He's ranking. a significant political... He, he's, he's a guy. Somebody figure. to just stop by a house to check out a ghost. Right. No, no, a no, no, no. It's like if Ted Cruz stopped by and was like, I want to talk to you about... Oh, God, that'd be terrifying. <laughs> and then I'm going to serial kill you because I'm Ted Cruz. Going to serially kill and you. And then his eyes blink vertically and horizontally <laughs> at the same time. Um, so, Andrew Jackson... Uh, heads to the house with a small entourage of pizza. Pe- a pizza, <laughs> pizza. Oh my god, yeah. this is getting so much better. <laughs> Andrew Jackson brought pizza. Cool. <laughs> uh, he, he rolls to the house with an entourage of people and a wagon. And a couple miles from the house, the wagon is stopped and the horses can't pull it any further. And Jackson is reported to have gone. By God, it must be the Bell Witch. <laughs> Why is it that scrawled on his grave? I don't know, it must be the Bell Witch. <laughs> I do declare I'm Andrew Jackson. Is that goddamn Bell Witch again? This, it's so funny how this is an actual historical account, and yet so much of the story seems like a horror movie that would be made right now. Yeah. Like the horses stopped and they would they would go no further. So they they apparently hear a voice, a female voice, saying that she will see them all later, more or less. And then the wagons are released. They get to the Bell residence and right away I'm trying to remember the official title that one of the members in Jackson's entourage uh, declared he was. He he said he was like it wasn't Witch Hunter General uh, but it was it was similar to that. Something of that ilk. Yeah, something. The 1800s version of something that. Something that, a title that nobody could bestow and <laughs> no way to technically prove it's not true. Right. The guy started boasting about how he had a gun with silver bullets and the Bell Witch wasn't coming out because it was afraid of his silver bullets. Me and my big silver gun. Okay, so this person started getting slapped a whole bunch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I love this ghost. And apparently got kicked in the ass so hard that he fell over. Oh my god. 
Um, this is so cartoonish. This is this is like what happens when when they try to exercise Casper's house in yeah, the first like I five know, minutes. Of I know. <laughs> like, and the, the level of stupidity is what is what actually sells it for me. Um, and Jackson, instead of being like, so a voice pipes up after this guy gets the shit slapped out of him. <laughs> And says that there is one more fraud in Jackson's party that be, will be revealed in the next 24 hours. Mm. And Jackson, despite his men begging him to leave the property, says, no, I want to find out who the other faker is. Yeah. Which you is tell the, me right now, which old is, Hickory Andrew Jackson, yeah. goddammit. The most Andrew Jackson thing I've ever heard. Um... So they stay for a while. Not much more is known about this, but then I think within 40 hours, they leave the residency. Mm. Uh, it wasn't long after this that uh, John Bell Sr. died, apparently at the hand uh, of the Bell Witch. Uh, it grew to... Too many slaps. It, it grew to just not... Well, where it found like a real attachment with Betsy, the youngest of the Bell family, apparently it really didn't like John Bell Sr., and well, he was a slave owner. I'm not a big fan of him either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it liked his wife. Like it, it, it apparently actually produced a remedy for uh, for the wife when she was suffering from a very bad lung infection, hmm. and cured her. Uh, apparently, it did the same thing with John Bell, except it killed him. And so they remedy as in they trusted like it told them something and they yeah. trusted the ghost yeah and it, it cured the wife and killed the husband holy well, shit yeah so they're so members of the house are building a rapport don't yeah. necessarily hate this ghost they're, yeah they've come to coexist I think they all recognize it as something weird and an inconvenience right but like yeah ultimately yeah there, there's different relationships building all over the place um so, you know, there's more, but that's the beginnings of the Bell Witch. Mm -hmm. uh, in 1894, a Martin V. Ingram published the Authenticated History of the Bell Witch. And after that, there's actually been a lot of books documenting this, because this is one of those things where there's a lot of, you know, whether or not the, the Bell Witch was a real thing and like these people were experiencing it or if it was some kind of hoax the people existed, the land existed you can still go to it uh, a future president went and visited, it was covered in a bunch of papers it was something that like really caught the attention of a whole region of the country and was just widely accepted fact so you know it's just interesting because these people actually existed right, now there are pieces of this that have echoes of some other things that we've heard about ghost story wise and I to me what comes to mind is thoughts of Amityville or times when families or or at least a small group of people have come together to put on some kind of hoax for either monetary gain or fame what's the possibility that that came into play for the Bells? See the only reason I'm not I, I like I'm not convinced is that is you know Amityville happened in like the 70s uh, we were much more liberated by then and it was like you could get like a book deal and you could do this you could do that 1817 was a really different time like you could very easily be killed over this kind of accusation 
Um, so, you, you know, you can do a hoax like this, but it would be really fucking dangerous, and I don't know to what end. Yeah, it's not like they're going to sell their story to access Hollywood. Yeah. Right. So even, I mean, for me, I just wonder, because Andrew Jackson came, but I, I think you're right. I think ultimately there's no clear reward, especially for a small rural community. Like, what are they, what could they even dream big enough as far as mm-hmm. gain from this? It seems like they were genuinely afraid whether that's founded in reality or not, they were truly afraid of something and, and wanted to share the story with people. Right, yeah. and I mean, it, it took, you know, uh, John Bell Sr.'s life, so, I mean, somebody died from it, so who... Right, or at least that's what they believe strongly enough. Yeah. You know, whether or not what he was killed by natural sickness or not, it was enough for the family to say, this was malicious, you saved our mother, and you killed yeah, our mother. Right. Killed our I, I, I think it's more likely that they truly believed something was happening. Yeah, no, I definitely... Like, definitely more believable than them just bullshitting it for, for monetary gain. Uh, you know, whether something actually did happen, who knows, but it really sounds like they, they believed it. And what what's interesting, when I was reading through all this, I like, because everything that happened sounds more like a poltergeist... But apparently when John Bell Sr. acquired the land, it was a small plot, and then he grew outwards. And one of the things that he actually acquired was a cave on the property that, according to local legend, was supposed to be home to a witch that had been bothering the area for a long time. And, you know, because a lot in this story is very much like, it doesn't seem like typical witch behavior. Much more ghost story. Yeah. But, yeah, that's that's where the actual Bell Witch comes from. Yeah. And there's so many, like, psychological questions, too, because they acquired this land, and I'm sure it wouldn't be weird for everyone in the family to say, I don't know if we should take this land. Like, sure, we might have a right to it, but there's a witch that lives there, and is there, like, a mass psychosis that fell over the family just out of the sheer fear of, like, no, everybody knows that's a witch cave. Why yeah. do we own the witch cave? Yeah. And then that could be part of it, too, is they believe what they want to believe. Yeah. There's just, there's so many questions to this that we're just never, ever going to have answered. You know, and there's no way for us to know, um, you know, whether it was something in the water that was causing them to hallucinate, whether it was the kids uh, just being, like, mischievous and, and faking some of these events. Pretty smart kids. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it would definitely be talented kids, yeah. but, like... I think people were mo- more gullible in general, but that means there's a scale to which the kids are also not necessarily the sharpest tech, so yeah. that would be a pretty in- in- amazing feat for them to pull up. Yeah, but there's actually, there's a lot of really good writing on this you know there's the book that i mentioned before the uh authentic history of the bell witch that was the original book written in uh 18 something but there's also the bellwitch.org and a pet fitzhugh wrote a more academic book about the bell witch and it's definitely worth checking out we'll put it on the website very cool. I think it deserves to be up there with the same heavy hitters of Jersey Devil and Beast of Bray Road. The things that people, I think, know about a lot when it comes to American folklore. Because it's got so many great points to it that yeah. fit into that. Yeah, for real. Awesome. Very cool. So we, got, so we got two under our belt, and uh, I'll do my bit now. We're going to change gears a little bit. So we're going to be talking about music and murder. So sing 
your whole so, section and then kill Ed at the this end. This is where we go to the musical section of the episode. So, you guys remember probably very just as vividly as I do, and if anyone is the same age as us, but you know, between mid 20s and 30, growing up in the 90s, there was constantly news articles talking about metal and Satanism, and it was this big scare. Like, shows like Donahue would have like. He had Marilyn Manson on and oh, asked him. And kids are shooting up schools because they're listening because to Because of heavy metal. And, and there was always this this direct line, right? It was always like, kids are listening to headbanging music and they just want to worship Satan and all this stuff. And it was always sure. Satan, Satan, Satan. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but some of the truth behind what sparked a lot of that scare. So over the past couple of years, I've been trying to get into a lot more kind of expand my horizons, check out a lot more European music, and specifically I found a lot of really great bands from the Scandinavian countries, so Sweden, Finland, and a lot from Norway. And what I learned in discovering all these new bands is that you can't really find any group that has come out of Norway, whether they're punk or they're death rock or something like that, without things kind of going back to black metal. Because black metal is what put Norwegian music on the map in the early 90s and sparked a lot of the fear that kind of overtook other Western countries like America and, and England. So in the early late 80s, early 90s, there was this big movement of black metal that got its name from this one band back in the 70s called Venom and they sort of had an album named Black Metal and it was all kind of built around dark imagery and you know the way we think of metal now with bands that have makeup and bands that are long black greasy hair leather jackets it comes a lot from this Norwegian black metal scene aesthetically what I think is interesting about the black metal scene in the 90s is it's probably the only good example of this being more than just a cool aesthetic so most of the time you see interviews with Marilyn Manson and you're like Oh, he's just like a really normal guy. He's he's a he's a an actor, you know, he's a theatrical person who puts on a show. These black metal guys from Norway, they walk the walk, but not in the way that the news sort of portrayed it. So one of the big things is while there is some themes of Satanism, the big theme that runs through a lot of black metal, especially in the nineties and even up till today, is Odinism. Yep. So, okay. like, the actual sort of belief in your, in your white Germanic tribe heritage that is really kind of a big part of Norwegian and Swedish identity, like, up there in the Scandinavian countries. So there are legitimate people, and a lot of them in this genre, who sort of yearn for a time pre-600 AD, pre, like, Charlemagne where Christianity hasn't come to Europe yet. Pre-toilet paper. Pre-all pre of the things that are good. I mean, it's bizarre, because nobody's life was good back then. But these are guys that really want to bring that back in a big way. And I think it should go without saying, when I bring that up, a lot of racism in this in this sect. Yeah, when you of, said the, the white Germanic tribes. Yes, so a lot of racial purity stuff. So we're going to talk about one guy in particular that fascinates and horrifies me to no end. And he's a musician. So this guy's named uh, Varg Vikernes, which is an extremely Viking-sounding name. Yeah. Ironically, was born Christian Vikernes, but he hmm. cast off his first name pretty early on because of his feelings about 
Christianity, <laughs> but we'll get into that. Varg actually means wolf and is sort of a, an older sort of totemic kind of Norse word. Mm-hmm. And he sort of adopted that to be part of this whole thing. So he so sort he's, of... So he's a dork. He's... <laughs> yes, that was my next point. So around the time of 1991, he starts this project called Bursum. And Bursum is actually from the the black... Uh, let me make sure I, I get it right. It's the black tongue or black speech from Tolkien universe. Mm-hmm. So big nerd. D and D, J.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings. So the black in the black speech of the orcs and all the dark entities, the mm-hmm. word Bursum means the darkness. So he's very involved in all this stuff. And he's reaching out to other kids in Norway who feel the same way. I think these be set up front. Norway at the time and to today has one of the lowest murder rates in like the westernized world. Granted, there's only like 5 million people there, Mm -hmm. but per capita, it's still really low. Just last year in 2017, there were only 25 people killed. Wow. That's it (laughs) in in the the country. So they have other crimes. They have burglary. They have, unfortunately, rape and, you know, child abuse, things like that. Um, In smaller part than than our country does. But the big thing is that the murder is kind of unheard of, especially in 1991. So... This guy and his friends, they're all doing their different music projects. Bursum was Varg's one-man music project, and he would put out... And I gotta say, I've listened to some of his stuff throughout the years, even stuff that he did later on when he was incarcerated. It's pretty good, as far as far mm-hmm. as black metal goes. And some of his albums are still lauded today in metal communities as, like, really uh, uh, totemic of what makes great black metal. And people still sort of... Uh, even people who disagree with this guy politically about his sort of... Arianism and all those things really love this music so he's lauded and praised and he's part of this growing community that's building it's getting a lot bigger in England these guys are starting to tour around Europe not just in Norway and they build this kind of little uh, community together so skip ahead to 1994 so things are going well musically but Varg's the kind of guy who, at least he says, doesn't want a lot of notoriety. So he wants to make his music, he wants to share his message of Odinism, of uniting European white people together, all of his bullshit. Quick yeah. question is, like, like you said, racism is definitely a big part of that whole Odinism scene. Mm. Is that, like, a happenstance thing, or is that part of the package? It's... It's part of the package. Well, it's it's varying degrees throughout the musical scene, mm-hmm. and it's definitely subsided a lot in, in music today just because times have changed and mm-hmm. more liberal people have been like, I like this music, but I'm, I don't stand for all this other shit. Uh-huh. But at the time, it was a boys club of white guys who, and it's, it's kind of like we said about Lovecraft. It's the kind of racism where I live in a small village in Norway, like not in Oslo, in the city, like uh-huh. a village. I've never seen a... Muslim or or all these different people. So they're one of their biggest targets in the day was much less about other races, much more about Christians. It's Christians came okay. into Europe and fucked shit up, which I don't entirely disagree yeah, with. No, no, historically, that's... but their kind of way is isolation. Like we need to come together as the true by blood inheritors of this land, the Germanic tribes who were pagans who believed in. Odin and Thor and, and all of okay. these things. And he'd take it, Varg at least, 
to be very, very serious. Okay, because I mean, I could I can get into the whole worship of the Nordic gods scene, but not so hit to the racism. Well, and you'll see this a lot, and I'll get into this in a little bit later. You'll see a lot of the Odinism in white supremacist gangs in in the prison system in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of Nordic tattoos that are basically just symbols of of uh, Aryan race and and things like that. It's been sort of co-opted by that movement. That yeah. really bumps me out, actually. It's a yeah. huge fucking yeah. bummer. Yeah. It's something I've known about for a while, but I, I didn't realize how much it went into this musical scene. So, in 1994, Varg, who's kind of a loner, he doesn't even really get along that well with the other bands that he hangs out with, but he respects some of them. There's this one guy, Fenris, that he also named for mm-hmm. the, yeah, the wolf. wolf. Um that he gets along with and he believes to be like a true believer like Fenris he's written about Fenris is like he's he's like me he gets the truth it's not about the music it's about this movement of like basically overthrowing Christianity like you gotta imagine if the lone the weirdest loner from your high school was waging a legitimate war on Christianity but he just didn't have the numbers because it was just him like if this guy could get a following he we he'd be like a new Hitler like that's kind of <laughs> how Vard's brain works so Varg uh, has a bad reputation, so he has admitted to and was later tried for burning down churches. So legitimately going around the Norwegian countryside, finding traditional Christian churches, and setting them ablaze. So he's, a, he's already an arsonist, mm-hmm. along with a musician, and he's building all these bad relationships, even with the other guys and the other bands. So there's this one band in particular, Mayhem, and they're sort of like the biggest band at the time, for black metal at least. Black makeup, they all kind of look like uh, The Crow, you know, lots of like uh-huh. black eye makeup over white face. <sighs> oh, bless, bless me. me. <clears throat> Sorry, I am allergic to Arianism. <laughs> <laughs> so so he, uh, he, he, he hears rumors, or he claims, and I actually watched a, a video of Varg talking about this in 1994 after he was tried. And it's really chilling how, how calmly Varg recounts the day that I'm about to walk you through. So there's this other guy, his, his moniker is Euronymous, that's his like uh, stage name. And he's a guitarist for Mayhem. His real name's uh, Ostin Arsef. So he hears, Varg hears through the grapevine, so he claims, that Ostin is planning to kidnap Varg, take him out into the forest, and make a snuff video. He hears the rumors that this guy, Euronymous, is telling his friends, oh, I'm gonna kidnap Varg, I'm gonna take him out, I'm gonna murder him in the woods, I'm gonna make a video. Now, to give some credence to this, or at least why maybe Varg would believe this is possible, these black metal guys were kind of legit when it came to death. So, Euronymous, his, uh, I think it was the singer, one of the other guys in Mayhem, had only recently killed himself, shot himself in the head, and Euronymous, found him and now the ironically this other guy in the band who killed himself his name was dead that was like his moniker and mayhem just just dead yeah <laughs> again lazy. these yeah. are these are a bunch of fucking <laughs> gothic nerds in the 90s so euronymous finds dead after his suicide now he doesn't call the police right away first thing that euronymous does is he runs out goes to the store buys a camera because he doesn't have one goes home takes a bunch of photos of his dead bandmate that he just found with a hole in his head after killing himself. And he takes a bunch of photos, including this one. That's an album cover. Which he then put on Mayhem's next album cover. So this is the deceased member of Mayhem, his legitimate 
suicide, post-suicide photograph that Euronymous was like, you know what, my friend just killed himself. That's going to make a great black metal album cover. So, real class act. Real. These are the kind of guys that we're dealing with. I mean, for what it's worth, if you're a kid out there who's looking for some legit scary metal, this is this is the shit so for you. So, Varg hearing that this guy is planning on killing him might not seem so... Might crazy. not seem crazy if that's what actually happened. Sure. Varg yeah. he is like, well, yeah, everybody knows Euronymous has, like, no empathy. He's like a psycho. So, Varg recounts this day that he has where... Uh, Euronymous tells him because they were on the same label or I think Mayhem was sort of managing because again they're still making money on their music Mayhem is sort of managing Varg's music his Bursum project music and he says I want you to come over and sign some paperwork whatever you know bullshit legal stuff so Varg goes over to his house and he knocks up and Euronymous answers the door and, and Varg felt like he was on his guard but he thought this is weird I thought he was going to murder me but he seems like he's being cool but I'll keep my guard up according to Varg Euronymous tried to kick him down, and he fought back, and they're sort of tussling, they're going back and forth. Varg says that Euronymous runs to the kitchen to try to grab a knife, or he believed that's what he was doing. Varg, who had a small pocket knife on him, says, no, no way I'm going to let that happen. So before Euronymous can get to the kitchen, Varg chases him down, and he stabs him to try to stop him. He then says that Euronymous tries to go to his bedroom to get the gun that dead killed himself with. Now later, in police reports and evidence, he had no possession of that gun. That gun was not in your honest. It was either in, well, like, an evidence locker somewhere from the suicide. Yeah, they don't really let you keep that kind of shit. Right. Yeah. So Varg's story doesn't really check out. He claims that, oh, he was going for the gun that, that Dead shot himself with. And I knew that. I felt threatened. So he chases him down again, and he stabs him again. Well, Euronymous, who this whole time, by Varg's account, is in his underwear manages to get out of the apartment and like run down the steps and he's trying to run away and Varg very deadpan is like well I'm not going to let him do that this guy wanted to kill me I have to catch him now the thing that was interesting and Varg didn't say this until later in his video was that he was there with another Mayhem member that came with Varg and that guy apparently just chickened out and bailed and was like I'm gonna these guys are like fighting each other I'm gonna get the fuck out of here so there was a witness to this and his story is part of what got Varg locked up for this later. So Varg chases him down and talks about in his confession about how he stabbed him in the head and he was in and and Euronymous was laying in glass at one point, he's rolling around in the glass, which might just be a way of him saying, like, oh I didn't stab him all those times. Because really what they found out was that Varg stabbed him twenty-three times. Jesus. To death. So this is his friend, quote unquote. But again, really fucked up dudes. So he kills him, and he gets locked up for this, and gets the max sentence in Norway of 21 years. Again, this is not a country where well, people yeah, they, they believe very firmly in rehabilitation. They're very into rehabilitation, so they say, "We'll give you." And now there is a there is a caveat. They can just keep holding you indefinitely. They can hold you for 21 years and then be like, "You're not re rehabilitated. We'll yeah. let you back out." Varg showed enough progress. He actually got out in 16 years. So, and this was in 91? So this was 94 that he went in. He served 16 years. So I think, uh, so he got out in like 2010, I guess? 2010, yeah. Yeah. 2010, 20, I think 2011 is officially okay. when he was released. So he gets released. This whole time he's in prison, he's still making music. And it's going over really well. So people in the black metal community are hearing his albums like the one Philosophem, which is like 
lauded as this great black metal legendary album. He did that from prison. Holy shit. Well, yeah, yeah. people are probably digging it because now he's he's got street He's cred. an actual yeah. murderer. So he's becoming big in a lot of different places. So along with creating music, he also really starts to lean into his white supremacy and all this stuff. And he's doing interviews because people want to, metal zines want to talk to him. So they get access to him. It's very easy in Norway. They kind of have a cushier prison lifestyle. Yeah. It's more like you're staying at a camp. Yeah. So he's doing interviews. And one of his uh, zine interviews in 1996, the interviewer asked him, like, is there anything else you want to tell whoever is listening? And he only responds by just saying, 88. Now, 88... That's the Nazi yeah. thing. That's a Nazi code for Heil Hitler. Yeah. Because H is the eighth letter yeah. in the alphabet. So he's really leaning into it yeah. at this point. But, again, he's rehabilitated enough for the Norwegian government that he gets out. Moves to a farm uh, with his wife, has three children, and what fascinates me the most about this ex-murderer is he is very prolific on YouTube. What he does now, mostly, he doesn't make music anymore, not really. He just creates these YouTube videos, and they're spooky. What, like, a Mr. Rogers-y kind of guy he is. Because now he's got, he's like 40, he's over 40 years old. Mm -hmm. He's got kind of like a white, puffy beard. He takes these really goofy YouTube videos. Like there's, I'll show you guys after this. There's a video of him just working on his car. And he starts out, and he says... And it's, he does the editing himself, so there's like these like pop-up video things that come up. It's like, no, I'm changing my engine oil. But the whole time, he's talking about really dark shit in the most oh, calm way ever. I actually, for um, forever ago, came across one of his videos online and didn't really know the extent of it. Yeah. And it was him sitting in his car recording with his phone. Yes. Which, if you ever come across a video like that, you know it's not, not going to be good. Right, he's some batshit crazy guy. Yeah. But, and he was just spewing some shit of anti-Muslim yeah. shit. Yeah. And uh, I didn't really take it seriously. I didn't know the whole extent of action. Yeah. So there was one, there's one video that I found where he's talking about, and I thought this was important given the whole story, about the Viking or the traditional um, Norse way of approaching death. And he says, you know, and he's got this very weak voice. He's got this like, well, you know, uh, they say you shouldn't speak ill of the dead. And the reason that is, is because we believe in reincarnation, like the Hindus. And he says this stuff in little, like, pop-up things, and it's like, Hinduism is the closest religion to our own beliefs. And it's like these little, like, did-you-know facts, these, like, <laughs> cute little blurbs that he adds in. In the beginning of that video, he starts out, and he says, well, I want to start out uh, by connecting with the common men, you people, by doing something that common folk like to do, which is take a break. And then he just, like, sips on his drink for a while, while you just watch him, like, leisurely take a break, working on his car. And it, it sporadically goes in between him changing his oil, uh, greasing, like, his differential and all this stuff, and him talking very darkly about Euronymous, the man he murdered. And he says, you know, the only reason that I ever say anything bad about Euronymous is to clear my own name and all this stuff. Otherwise, I would only say good things, because I don't want Euronymous to be reincarnated as the dark things about him that I didn't like. He has tons of these videos. Oh, I mean, you can really go down a real uh, fucking rabbit hole with this guy. What came up recently that, that, I'll, that I'll get through, and the reason that uh, he was drawn to my attention yeah. is that not that long ago, in July 2013, he was arrested again. He had moved his family to the south of France, and this is where things get like real serious and dark and like geopolitical. So he was arrested in the south of France, he had recently been going on tons of rants about Muslims and Jews. And unfortunately, this is part of a much larger problem in the Scandinavian countries. For all of the 
videos that you see on Facebook of like, in Norway, they all have healthcare. We should be more like Norway. There's also a lot of fucking racists in yeah. Norway. And he's part of that kind of movement. So he's saying that because uh, there has been an influx of Muslims in parts of Europe because of uh, refugee crisis in Syria and all kinds of things like that. So he's backlashing against that. He also, his wife, who is a hardcore anti-vaxxer blogger, so they oh really God. cover all their bases. Oh Jesus. His wife had recently purchased, legally, mind you, uh, like four rifles. So they've got this guy, and, and people in the south of France are like, we've got this expat living here from Norway. He's spewing all this racist bullshit. He's connecting with like, like quasi-terrorist white supremacist groups online, and he's buying weapons. He's also has a history, even before Euronymous's murder, of stockpiling uh, explosive materials, bombs, like bomb-making supplies. Right, because even before he was murdered, he was an arsonist. He was an arsonist, yeah. right. So the South of France is all over this guy. So they arrest him um, on charges of, like, basically conspiracies to, to commit a terrorist act, because that's what they were trying to get him on. Those were dropped, but he was given hate crime charges in... 2014 and and find like 8,000 pounds or something like that um, But he's still very much active and just recently. I think it was just this month He put one of his many YouTube videos like officially resigned From because he's constantly getting all of this pressure from fans like more Burzum records and he's always like no I'm done with music. I'm just all about wearing camo and shooting videos of me with crossbows in the woods <laughs> and just like real crazy like bunker digging guy kind of stuff <laughs> so he releases this video of him saying about well i've relinquished all rights to bursum because i challenged a fan to a atv what he called a manly duel <laughs> so he challenged this guy he said if you can make your atv uh go as fast get zero to 60 quicker than i can I'll give you the the original copy of the Bursum record and the basically, you know, in name rights to Bursum and I wash my hands of this musical thing. So he he strikes me as this guy who's a total megalomaniac that has these pretensions of being humble because he's constantly like it's not about the music, it's not about this. He's never toured. He literally just makes his music, makes his videos like total hermit psychopath spews his hateful bullshit. One thing that I think will be noted is that, uh, to end this, he was sort of called the scariest criminal, which, good for Norway that you murder one guy and you're, like, the most hated yeah. person in the country. <laughs> but, and maybe you guys remember this um, from the news, but unfortunately in 2011 there was car bombing in Oslo, in the capital of Norway, mm -hmm. and 77 people died. Now, eight of them were in the bombing, and the remaining 69 were actually teenagers, mostly, Yeah, killed in a shooting spree by the same guy. This dude was Anders Breivik, and yeah, he I has remember, since... I remember that. Yeah. He's that guy's terrifying. Super terrifying, major white supremacist, like, mm -hmm. legitimately tried to start a revolution, basically, to kick out all these minority groups out of Europe. Yeah. The interesting thing about where Varg ties in, so this guy commits the worst violent act in Norway since World War II and becomes the most hated, deadliest criminal, he'll probably serve life in prison. Because yeah. after 21 years, they're, they're almost definitely going to say, you are just too much of a danger to society. You are unrehabilitatable. Yeah. You're staying here. So he does this. He injures almost 250 other people. He sent out this guy, Anders Breivik, 
sent out a 1500 page 1500 page <laughs> manifesto to a thousand emails basically as a call to arms Varg is on that list okay and because so he clearly sees Varg as someone who's going to take up arms with him yeah. in this war against Muslims and Jews and Christians the only reason or not Christians actually the only reason and Varg has gone on records people have asked him about Anders like are you guys friends are you guys and Varg thanks to his hardcore belief in Od Odinism at the very least basically said to this guy Anders you know what I hope he kills himself because if it weren't for Christians like him we never would have let the Muslims and the Jews in in the first place. So Varg hates this other guy, this other terrorist, so much Jesus because he's Christ. a Christian. So he's at least legit in that sense that he's like, oh no, I hate literally everybody who isn't an Odinist. And basically said, like, I hope he kills himself. And just the, the amount of levels, and there's so many other dark characters that we can talk about after this podcast in this uh, black metal genre there's this guy from Van Gorgoroth who's also a convicted criminal psychopath lives in this village that his family basically owns it's very like Vlad Tepes kind of character spooky but what drew me to this whole thing was like well there's at least a little credence to this connection as much as I hate to say it as a metal fan uh -huh. between dark forces and evil and murder and metal but it's so but the newspapers got it all wrong the, the Satanist angle is almost never there. For guys yeah. like Varg, it's not even remotely about Satan. It's like, no, it's about the white race. It's about the supremacy of Odin and his children, which is so much weirder. I feel like more to unpack on the news than a 1994 thing where they just say, oh, these kids love Satan because everybody yeah. can go, oh, we know Satan. It's a lot more to explain where it's like, oh, no, there's like a whole <laughs> historical uh, context behind this. So... Yeah, I just thought he was fascinating and terrifying, and yeah, he's basically a popular YouTube personality slash murderer slash accomplished and 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 much praised musician. What a just a really complicated fucking guy. What a fucking weird world. We it's such a weird world. Jesus. All right, so I Is think we had three pretty uh, diverse stories there. Yeah, yeah, I thought I like this one. I think we knocked this out of the park. Yeah. Is it weird it that I kind of want to check out Bursum now? You can. I mean, look, I will I will say this. I'm definitely one person that when an artist of any kind fucks up in a big way, I have a distaste for them, for sure. And I knew about his crimes before checking out Bursum. With an objective eye for just a music lover, there are things about it that you can see that are sort of revolutionary. It's not, it's not the metal of Black Sabbath. It's more dirgy. It's mm -hmm. more like... Uh, ethereal. It's very connected. Like you can see his his natural thought of like the nature and being in one with the old gods because it feels that way. Very cool in a lot of ways. But this is the <laughs> this is the context and foundation that it's built on top of. So yeah, I would say check him out huh, yeah. um, and definitely check out his videos. I mean, they are equally hilarious because he's such a weird guy uh -huh. and they like his kids are in the videos and it's just like being a happy-go-lucky dad in the, the wilds of, of beautiful southern france going on tours seeing the sights and and then behind all that every now and then he'll slip in just the most hateful <laughs> bullshit you've ever heard and you're like it's jarring because you're like oh it's like i felt like i might find this guy a little entertaining and he's not just some weirdo he's a dangerous convicted felon damn dude yeah that's yeah. insane all right yeah all right well that about wraps it up 
Yeah, thanks for tuning in on this one. Yeah, yeah, I I had a lot of fun with this one. I I, I really I really dug all our stories. So, uh, good work, team. Good job. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, we'll be back more with more very soon. And you can always I know we've got the upfront now, but you can always reach out to us on all of our various social media channels. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to hear your strange stories. I think for these three parters in particular, we like to dig for really weird stuff. So, uh, so reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.